Welcome to Deuteronomy study number 12 in chapter 12, verses 1 through 32, Lord willing, and we get through this study and the church don't rise as we send out our hillbilly holla out to a sister serene. Hillbilly holla going out to sister serene. It, uh, I waited longer to do that than I'd intended to be honest with you, but uh, we love serene and I uh, wanted to make sure she knew uh, we had sent out a holla to her. <laughs> and uh, with that, we get into our study, and um, this is a very interesting chapter. A lot of stuff to get into, so I don't want to delay one bit. Let's get right in it with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word, and we thank you for everything we're learning, and we just... Uh, are so blessed with your spirit and your word and the body of Christ, the family of God, and so many other blessings. Thank you, and we just ask for your help as we continue to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as Moses continues laying down the law, literally, second time, um, before he departs this world, and then Israel departs and marches into the promised land, uh, this chapter will emphasize the reason God orders, for one thing, the complete and utter destruction of the Canaanites in the land. God gets a lot of flack for that. and Even a lot of Christians don't really seem to understand that. We've talked about it before, but we're going to cover it here because it's in the text. Then... Um, he makes it clear that he has chosen a particular place, um, which we now know to be Jerusalem and the Holy Temple or Temple Mount, um, which is empty right now. Um, but that was where all sacrifices were to be offered once Israel was in the land. Of course, the Messiah was to come and fulfill that uh, requirement, and there was to be no sacrifice any longer, which is what happened. Jesus came. Even though he was rejected by Israel, God just wiped that Temple Mount clean using um, Rome, the ancient Roman Empire, to do so. Um, and there hasn't been sacrifices on that Temple Mount ever since then. We'll talk more about that in a little bit as we begin uh, in chapter 12, verse 1. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land, which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it, all the days that ye live upon the earth. The land, the land, the land. You, we can't emphasize that enough. The Bible emphasizes that over and over. Israel is given this land and given strict orders to obey once they enter it. Their being in that land was conditional. Now the land belonging to them is unconditional, but their possessing and living in the land is conditional. Uh, we continue, verses 2 and 3, Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess served their gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. Verse 3, And ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire, and ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Um, unlike the Roman Catholic Church, for example, who when they would go in and take over an area, 
sometimes by force, other times um, by conversion um, by other means. Um, they would just take the gods or goddesses and statues and rename them. You know, Mercury would become Peter. Um, you know, uh, Diana or Ishtar or whatever would become uh, Mary <laughs> and that sort of thing. It's wicked. Um, we see here, for, for starters, God is not ecumenical. Um, the Bible completely refutes universalism. All paths do not lead to God. Um, the universal Unitarianism is false. Uh, what's called Christian Universalism is false. Freemasonry is false. The New Age movement is false. Any, um, well, obviously, any religion that does not present Jesus Christ as God manifest in the flesh who came to earth and died for the sins of the whole world, shedding his blood in death on the cross, and then conquering sin and death by being raised bodily from the grave, it's a false religion unless that's what they teach and believe, obviously. But this issue uh, you know, of universalism is completely blown out of the water by texts like this one, where God makes it clear that all religious temples, groves, sites of any kind, and all the statues and idols and everything not prescribed by the God of the Bible were to be utterly destroyed. Now, some may say, well, the Muslims do that, and we say they're terrible. The Muslims and other religions who do the same thing, the Buddhists do this as well, and uh, other Hindus, um, they've done the same thing and so forth. Why, why is it wrong when they do it? Because they are false religions. <laughs> when the only true God orders these kind of actions, it's not wrong. It's the only logical thing for the only true and holy God to do. Um, not only do you destroy by the way, the various places of idol worship uh, in this text, but now we see that the Jews were not to have various places of their own even to sacrifice to the true God. They were to sacrifice to the true God in only one place. We're going to read a few verses here, verses 4 through 7. Verse 4 says, Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. Verse 5, But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. Verse 6, And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings, and your sacrifices, and your tithes, and heave offerings of your hand, and your vows, and your freewill offerings, and the firstlings of your herds, and of your flocks. And verse 7 says, And there ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto, ye and your households wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. That means this was not seen as a sacrifice uh, on your part, but a sacrifice to the Lord, showing your thanks, being grateful, rejoicing. And so um, this is not only the repudiation of the pagan practices of multiple sites and groves and all that. That's one of the reasons God said you're not going to do that. You're going to have one place. But um, in addition to refuting the pagan practices, it's changing what had been acceptable to the Jews, to the Hebrews, uh, up to this point. This is a transition time. And with each change of dispensation, you'll see this transition. Uh, sometimes it's a very fast transition, like when uh, Adam and Eve were uh, forced out of the Garden of Eden, uh, cherub with a uh, flaming sword and covering uh, the entrance so that they couldn't get back in and that was the end of that transition. <laughs> uh, 
but most of the dispensations, there's a time of transition. Um, before the law was given to Moses, God had allowed true worshipers to set up altars as long as they didn't carve them and finish the rock. They weren't supposed to touch it. They were just supposed to stack the rocks as they were. God did not want any of man's effort involved in the sacrifice. That's to picture the fact that when Messiah would come, he would provide the full payment for sins. None of our works help us pay for our sins. Um, and that's, But they were allowed to do it anywhere they wanted to. Now that will change. And uh, all sacrifices of animals and incense and anything like that will happen in one place. And of course, um, after then Mosaic Law would come to an end when Jesus Christ showed up and after his death, burial, and resurrection, um, the Acts transition that we're, we have, uh, are studying at the time of this recording, verse by verse through Acts, um, it changed things back to the way it was before Mosaic Law where now we worship in spirit and truth and we don't have to be in a particular place. I can worship here in my home office, I can worship at the BBF building, I can worship in my car, you can worship on the job, you can worship where you're cutting the grass. You know, it's, uh, it, it's a totally different thing. It's a different dispensation. So, um, also, I just want to note that this transition we're going to see or we have seen, has come after 40 years. Um, just as the transition from Mosaic Law to the Gospel of Grace actually covers 40 years. If you count them up, Jesus appears in 30 A.D., thereabout. Um, and 70 A.D., Jerusalem's totally destroyed, and that's when the temple is destroyed. 40 years after Jesus shows up. That 40 is going to show up many times in 40 years. We just saw 40 years in the wilderness. Um, we can't, I don't, can't spend a whole lot more time on that, but we've talked about it before. It's very important to note. So this mo mosaic transition here, this transition, um, is described in verses 8 through 10. Verse 8 says, Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. This is he's saying we're not we're going to have one place to offer sacrifice when we come in the land. Verse nine: For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. So when he said in verse eight, "You shall not do after all the things that we do here this day," we're not there yet. So I'm giving you these instructions, and when you get there, that's when these instructions will be implemented. Verse 10, but when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety. So things are changing according to God's word and in will with God's um, in line with God's will. We don't make things up. We can't just make our own religion up. We just can't say, well, I think this, I think that. We are to follow the word of God. But we have to have it in context. We have to have it uh, as it's intended for the particular dispensation it's intended for. Beware when you hear people, who, especially who deny the dispensations, a lot of these charismatic people who want us to believe that the book of Acts is still supposed to be happening today and that kind of nonsense. Um, they'll quote Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. But they ignore the true context and application of that text. It says Jesus Christ is the same today, 
uh, yesterday, today, and forever. And that's true. God doesn't change. But God does change his dealings with men. And that text is not saying that Jesus never changes his dealings with men. It's just saying he doesn't change. You see how slick that is? False teachers do that stuff all the time. Um, these changes that we're talking about now um, in taking place from pre-Mosaic to Mosaic Law, um, and we're studying Acts from Mosaic Law to the dispensation of the Gospel of Grace, that's a result in a new, what is called a new dispensation. When a man denies these dispensations, he may be a Christian. I'm not throwing everybody in hell who denies the dispensations. But on these matters, any time, any text, which most of the Bible in one way or another are dealing with it, they are falsely teaching. So they would have to be characterized as a false teacher, someone I would not recommend. There's a few guys that um, would not call themselves dispensationalists, but they deal uh, like with apologetics and things like that, that I've recommended their books and things at times. But I always warn people, if they start trying to teach you the Bible, turn them off. They're blind as a bat. Um, so, as we move on, um, if you want to know more about that, we refer you to our studies on dispensations. We have a chart, um, I have a small one here, I think handy, called the Seven Bi uh, Biblical <laughs> Dispensations. You can find that on our website and uh, download those and listen to those studies as we move on. But now God makes it clear that he has a particular place in mind, as he mentioned uh, already, for where sacrifices were to take place. Verse 11 says, Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heave, heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. Verse 12 then says, And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maidservants, and the Levite that is within your gates, forasmuch as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. Um, that's, uh, as we already mentioned, there's a place. And as verse 12 says, it's not to be a uh, task, a duty only. It's, to, it's not to be something you do begrudgingly, I think is a good word for that. You're supposed to rejoice in it. God loves a cheerful giver. Um, that doesn't mean you just say, well, I can't give cheerfully, so I don't give. Well, that's still a sin. Um, you should have an attitude adjustment, change your heart. You choose to submit to God, repent, and ask God to give you a heart that rejoices in giving. Sadly, most Christians are tightwads, and when they stand before God, they're going to be absolutely devastatingly embarrassed by their lack of giving to the Lord's work. I, and that, all I can do is warn you. And again, a lot of the people I'm talking to wouldn't send that money to BBF. You have a local church you go to where that money belongs. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying this so you'll send me money or send us money at BBF. I'm telling you so that you won't stand before God on Judgment Day and be embarrassed of your idiocy and your obstinance and un, uh, disobedience and lack of repentance and, so, uh, repentance and so forth. So anyway, I'm not going to 
linger on that, but it's just so sad because it's something that really should be so easy and anybody right with God should just so freely want to give back to the Lord. It's just sickening to see so many Christians through the years that I've known who have really destroyed their walk with God, robbed themselves of peace and reward and so forth because they're tightwads. So, uh, this was to be a joyful time of rejoicing in the Lord at this time for His covenant blessings and salvation. And then from the transition from Mosaic Law to the Gospel of Grace after Jesus comes and the book of Acts is played out and the transition is complete, Romans 15.10, Paul will say, And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, Rejoice evermore. And uh, the, I actually, that's on my uh, memory verse list that shows you memory doesn't serve me well a lot of times. But I was, I was thinking the next words, were, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Then verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So that, that was all on the tip of my brain. I just couldn't spit it out. And I wanted to share that. As we move on now to verses 13 14, Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place thou, thou seest. Verse 14, But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. So this commandment is repeated numerous times, but uh, this clarification is also laid out so that people understand that this did not pertain to basic sustenance and daily eating, um, but is referring to the prescribed offerings as atonement for sin. Verses 15, 16 say, Notwithstanding thou mayest kill and eat flesh in all thy gates, wherever you live. Whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee, the unclean and the clean may eat thereof, as of the roebuck and as of the heart. Now don't get confused there. Uh, he's referring to the person being clean or unclean. He still couldn't eat unclean animals. Verse 16 then says, Only ye shall not eat the blood. Ye shall pour it upon the earth as water. And that sounds strange to some of us, but if you think about it, especially if you're doing studies of the occult, um, you kind of have to think about that, about the blood being mentioned. Um, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Verses 17, let's read 17 through 19. Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of the corn, thy corn, or of thy wine, or of thy oil, or the firstlings of thy herds, or of thy flock, nor any of thy vows which thou vowest, nor thy freewill offerings, or heave offering of thine hand. Verse 18, But thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, thou and thy son and thy daughter, and thy manservant and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thine hands unto. And then verse 19 says, Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou livest upon the earth. So that's the purpose of the, the reason why certain things were to be given to the Lord. Those things you weren't supposed to eat at your own home. And uh, that's the rule for in the New Testament. We're to give as the Lord has prospered us, it should be the first thing we do when we receive any sort of income. Um, if you get stocks, bonds, uh, you know, uh, property or whatever, uh, take the amount that that is worth and give it to the uh, church. And of course, sometimes 
you get something like that. You can't give the cash until you cash it in, so you just make sure it's a provision in your estate or your will or whatever that may be according to uh, when you sell it, if you keep it till you die. So they were to take care and set aside the tithes prescribed of corn, wine, oil, herds, etc. And that was so that the Lord's Tabernacle and Temple Ministry under the Levites, um, just as we set aside that the, at least a tenth of our income before doing anything else, and that would make sure that the Lord's work would be supported. But all else could be used as needed. Verse 20, When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh. Thou mayest eat flesh, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. So the Lord is gracious, and he makes the law, but also makes accommodations for special circumstances, such as people who live too far away um, to uh, bring uh, their meat to uh, be offered um, like you would if you lived in Jerusalem. But there were certain things, the tithes of your crops and things, that were not to be eaten in your gates. We don't need to go into a lot of detail about that, but I just want people to understand they won't come away with a lot of questions. Verses 21-22, If the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee, then thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock, which the Lord hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Verse 22, Even as the roebuck and the heart is eaten, so thou shalt eat them. The unclean and the clean shall eat of them alike. And again, that's the people being clean and unclean. They couldn't eat unclean animals. The Levites would establish the standards and grant permissions to those who fall under this category. And so you wouldn't just do it willy-nilly. You'd talk to the priest. Um, but there were no exceptions to the following rule. Beginning verse 23. Only be sure that thou eat not the blood. We talked about it a moment ago. The, for the blood is the life. And thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Verse 24. Thou shalt not eat it, thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. And verse 25, Thou shalt not eat it, he says it over and over, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. No eating of blood. The, um, you just think, have you ever wondered, you, you always see this drinking of blood and all this, when it's Satanists and Satanic rock singers and other occult religions. They're always drinking blood and other abuses of blood. It's because God put these restrictions in his law. And the blood represents life. And these people love death. Uh, in Mosaic law and before Mosaic law. Genesis 9-4 was before Moses was born. And it says, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. You had to drain the blood. Um, and that's practiced, obviously, to this day. Uh, only an idiot would eat the blood of an animal or drink it and ingest it and risk it in some kind of parasite or something. Then under the Mosaic Law in Leviticus 17.11, uh, Leviticus 17.14, and here in Deuteronomy 12.23, the same is said. And then Jesus would die shedding his blood to save us from our sins. And Satan hates and mocks um, this, you know, picture of Jesus and his shed blood. And that's why you see the abuse of blood in satanic and false religions. It's in complete violation and repudiation of God's word. 
With that, then Moses closes the chapter with a repeat and summary that we don't have to spend a lot of time on, but we want to read. Verses 26 through 28. Only thy holy things which thou hast, and thy vows shalt thou take, and go unto the place which the Lord shall choose, and thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, upon the altar of the Lord thy God. And the blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God, and thou shalt eat the flesh. Show respect for the blood. Um, and it was, it was poured out at the altar. Verse 28, Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. And all of this will follow the destruction of the wicked Canaanites and all of the innocent shed blood of human sacrifice, child sacrifice, rape, torture, and all the rest will be avenged as Moses continues. Verse 29, When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their land. Verse 30, Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. After that they be destroyed from before thee, and that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Don't do it. Don't go back to the Native American paganism and witchcraft and Celtics and all that. Verse 31, Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. Wicked, nasty, false religion. Verse 32, What things soever I command you observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it. And we ran out of time, uh, but we'll pick up there next time.